Chapter 54 I was sweaty and my hair tangled in knots by the time we walked back into the restaurant. So much for tidying up for this meeting. As we approached the table, I saw that our two groups seemed very... separate. No one was talking. They watched each other warily. When I got closer, I heard Gazzy say, apropos of nothing, We can fly. So can we, said Maya, eyeing Fang. Well, some of us. I can see really, really far, said Dylan, not missing a chance to outdo Fang. Me too, said the tough-looking guy, adjusting his Ray-Bans. I can hear really far too, whispers from a mile away and all. Well, we can breathe underwater, Angel offered, modestly avoiding any mention of the fact that she can also read minds. So can I, said the pale kid. I can regenerate and heal really fast. We heal fast too, Iggy countered. And we're really strong. Try me, said the pretty Asian girl. Let's arm wrestle. Um, I can hack most computers, Nudge said mildly. I'm fast enough to steal any computer we'd need, said the blonde. Gezi didn't miss a beat and said, Fast enough to dodge this? Then sent a forkful of mashed potatoes flying through the air. Fast girl dodged it easily, but then Gezi snapped his fork to the left, flinging a glob at, wait for it, Maya, and hit her in the face. I couldn't believe my eyes. Oops, Gezi said with a nervous grin. My bad. Maya wiped off her cheek and stood up, flashing a look that could kill. She grabbed the basket of rolls and began pelting Gazzy with them, lightning fast. Gazzy laughed and ducked, taking no offense. Food fight! He cried happily. Immediately, the uncivilized Hellions in my flock and the freewheeling punks in Fang's gang let all their inhibitions go. Nudge tossed her milkshake at the blonde girl. The scrawny kid mashed a hamburger in Iggy's face. It fell to the floor, and Total dropped on it like a small, black avenging angel. Angel methodically dipped fries in ketchup, and launched them at anyone she could. Fang and I were waving our arms and shouting for them to stop, but they were well beyond hearing us. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw some security guards starting to make their way over to our table. Just like old times. Then it hit me. Things had actually been fairly peaceful with me and Fang apart. Horrible and heartbreaking, but quiet. Now that we were in the same room, all heck was breaking loose. Maybe we were better off apart. Maybe the whole freaking world was better when we were apart. Guys! I shouted. I was about to tell my flock to do an up and away before we all got arrested. And then, all of a sudden, Dylan jumped up on a chair. And he started to sing. Chapter 55 I'd seen the effect of Dylan's singing before. It would stop a rabid dog in its tracks. And it had the same effect now. When I look in your eyes, I see the ocean, he sang, and the food fight started moving in slow motion. When I look in your heart, I see myself. When we're apart, I'm just a shadow. Can't you see? Oh, can't you see? We're meant to be. Glancing around quickly, I saw that the kids had stopped, freezing a position as if they were playing a statue. The security guards had stopped too, and were standing still, listening to Dylan mesmerized by his beautiful voice. The diners who had been fleeing the chaos paused and turned around. Then, Dylan locked his eyes on me. You and me, we're a team, he crooned. You and me, we're a dream. Is this real? Are you what you seem? I can tell, you can count on me. Can't you see, oh, can't you see? We're meant to be. I can't describe the effect his voice had on me. 
It was like soothing honey, calming my nerves. And it wasn't just me. People were clapping, the food fight was forgotten, and the security guards were beaming as if they expected Dylan to whip out an engagement ring and pop the question. The only person decidedly not mesmerized and charmed was... Fang. He watched Dylan solemnly, not angry, not tense, but definitely not like honey had just dripped all over his heart. Dylan reached down, took a rosebud from the vase on the table, held it out to me, and smiled. His stunningly good looks made me weak. Let's get out of here, he said. I couldn't even speak. I took the rosebud and made my way carefully through the tables out of the restaurant, while behind us, people clapped. I didn't even glance back to see if anyone was coming with us. Dylan pushed through the revolving door. Then we were out in the balmy San Diego air. I turned to him. Thank, I began to say. But then he gently put his hand on my neck, bent down, and kissed me, smothering my words. I'm here for you, he said intently, looking into my eyes. And I couldn't speak. Chapter 56 I rested my head drowsily against a soft pillow, feeling the muffled roar of jet engines. In just a few short hours, so much had come together. Feng had figured out that the Doomsday Group's headquarters were in Paris, one of my favorite cities. We'd called our benevolent sponsor, Nino Pierpoint, who just happened to be one of the richest men in the world, and now we were in one of his many private jets, heading to Europe. My flock could fly, but not as fast as the jet. Besides, few of Feng's gang could fly, even though Star could run really fast. I'd picked a seat in a corner, grabbed a pillow and blanket, and curled up, exhausted, only half listening to the murmur of voices in the background. The flock and Fang's gang were, right now at least, tentatively getting along. But that definitely wouldn't last. Gazzy had suggested a game of poker. Yeah, and so Max and Dylan are supposed to, like, go to Germany and have kids together, I heard Gazzy say. My eyes popped open and I bolted upright. What? Fang said, his voice icy. Gazzy! I yelled. Wide blue eyes looked at me in surprise, then back at Fang's stoic face. Oh, was I not supposed to say anything? Gazzy asked. What is he talking about? Fang demanded, glaring at me, then Dylan. Nothing, just some crazy stuff that Dr. Hans came up with, and some hallucination. I said, squinting at Gazzy. Go off and have kids? Fang demanded. I saw Maya watching him, her eyes studying his face. Yeah, said Dylan casually, fanning the flames. Oh, please, I said. I can't even keep a goldfish alive. You and Dylan? Fang said, with an expression I'd never seen before. Having kids? Fang's face never gives anything away. I'd seen him scared, furious, amused, impatient, and it kind of all looked the same. But this was different. I'd never seen him look this upset. Call me selfish, but it was kind of a relief that he could still get so upset over me, you know? Don't look at me. It was Hans's idea, I protested. Dylan looked cool as a sea breeze. He stretched out his arms, then loudly cracked his knuckles. The butthead. Fang almost had smoke coming out of his ears. You didn't think to mention this to me? He asked coldly. My eyes narrowed, and when I spoke, the temperature inside the plane dropped several degrees. When was I supposed to tell you? I asked, deceptively calm. When he told me not to look for you? When he told me not to contact you? When he told me to forget about you? There haven't been many times when I've rendered Fang speechless, so they're extra sweet when they happen. I enjoyed this one a lot. 
I mean, a lot. Fang ran his hand through his somewhat shorter black hair and looked like he wanted to punch a hole in something. I took a split second to look around and realized that everyone was sitting silently, their eyes big, watching us as if we were a mongoose in a cobra. And you know what? I hated that Fang and I were acting this way. Hated that they'd seen us fighting. I told you she was bad news, Maya said, breaking the silence. And that was when cow pies really hit the fan. Chapter 57 I lost every bit of cool I had and turned angrily to Maya. You stay out of this, I snapped. She leapt to her feet, knees flexed, hands like knife blades, karate style. Who's gonna make me? You're just mad that Feng doesn't need you anymore, Maya said, and I felt my blood boil. Yeah? I snarled. Is that why he replaced me with me? Her eyes flashed, and she took a step toward me. To tell you the truth, pounding the heck out of someone right then would have been a relief. I was full of feelings that had nowhere to go, so knocking Maya's lights out would have felt pretty good. Suddenly, there was a little whoosh, and I got knocked back a couple feet. The same invisible force threw Maya back, and we stood there, blinking, wondering what had just happened. Then that girl star appeared again, sitting down in her chair. You guys stop it, she said, as her hair settled in place. I know twin sisters always fight, but you shouldn't. I would love to have a sister. We're not, not twin- Maya and I both said, then stopped and looked at each other, frowning. We probably weren't twin sisters, but we didn't really know for sure. We might be. Or maybe she was just my clone. Actually, what's the difference? I needed to do a little research. I can tell all of you were mad at each other, Angel said, stepping to the middle of the aisle. But I don't know why. She looked at all of us. Is this what you want to do right now? I mean, Max and Fang each have their own flocks. Fang, you chose to leave, so you can't really argue with anything Max is doing now. If you wanted to have an opinion about it, you should have said something before you left. I was surprised to hear Angel say that, and Feng looked stunned. She doesn't have to, Feng started, but Angel held up her hand with a stern, no-nonsense look that only a seven-year-old could pull off. Max can do what she wants, Angel said. You can either stay and weigh in, or you can leave and have no say. That's how it works. Feng opened his mouth, then closed it, looking like he rude the day Angel learned to speak. He threw himself down on a chair, not looking at her. Waves of heated anger almost visible. I was in shock, too. Angel had said things that I had felt, but had been unable to put into words. She was summing everything up that was making me mad and expressing it so much better than I could have. I hadn't gotten much further than me mad. And Max? Angel said, turning to me. You're the flock leader. Frankly, you need to do better than this. I blinked. You're the flock leader when Fang is there, and you're the flock leader when Fang is gone. I know you'll always love Fang, but you shouldn't let him, or Maya, get to you like this. And you shouldn't let Dylan's feelings toss you around like a little boat without a sail. You're a big boat, Max. You have to act like it. I'm a... big boat? I asked. She'd lost me back at Maya. Yes. She said patiently. You are. You're the leader, but you're acting like everyone else's feelings are more important than your own. Your feelings should be the most important feelings to you. I have to think about what other people feel, I protested. Especially since I've been criticized in the past for not caring about other people's feelings. Yes, Angel agreed. When it's a group decision or something that affects all of us, 
but you don't when it's something that's just about you. You decide how you feel about Fang. You decide how you feel about Dylan. Quit letting everyone else get in the way. I started to wonder if Angel had been injected with some fancy experimental DNA type thing that made her sound 40 years older than she actually was. And honestly, her face seemed to have lost some of its baby roundness, I noticed, as if in a dream. Her words swirled all around me, like little rays of light clearing past through my brain. Be with one, or the other, or neither of them, Angel concluded. But just do it, and quit whining about it. I almost said something, then changed my mind. I am not a whiner. I have taken quite a lot without whining, but maybe Angel had a point. Maybe she had lots of points. The Japanese have an idiom for whining that is translated as vomiting up weakness, Total said helpfully. I sat quietly for several moments, thinking, letting my mind sift through the confusion in my brain. When I finally spoke up, I felt solid rock for the first time in weeks. We all need to fight the Doomsday Group, I said, so we need to coordinate our efforts. But for the most part, it seems to be bad news when Fang and I get together, so the group should split up each doing our own thing. But first, we'll make a joint plan. Then, we'll carry out our separate parts. I looked around. Nudge was nodding. Total was trying to give me a high four, and Fang gave a subtle nod. He agreed. Dang, growing up was tough. Chapter 58 Step right up and see the amazing super kids. Fang shouted to the passerby as he shook a tambourine. Behind him, Kate was juggling a cinder block, a locked safe, and a marble statue. Find something too heavy for her to lift, Fang called. She'll juggle anything you bring over. Fang had spent the first fourteen and a half years of his existence trying hard not to stand out. He'd developed a habit of extreme stillness that allowed him to blend in with whatever his surroundings were. So this was not coming naturally to him. Ratchet was listening in on people's conversations from ten yards away, then offering to read their minds when they came to check out the hubbub. Star was racing around and sneaking up behind people, catching them unawares. They rubbed their eyes in disbelief. And Holden? The fast-healing boy was breathing fire. He'd been practicing for almost an hour now and was doing pretty well, having set only two trees ablaze by accident. Fang, check this out! He took a swig of the flammable liquid and started burping his ABCs. In flame. A. B. C. He belched, shooting fire out of his mouth. A crowd started to form where Fang's gang was putting on their show, not far from the amazing glass pyramid in the courtyard of one of the world's most famous museums, the Louvre. As soon as they had all landed at the Paris Orly airport, Max and the flock had taken off to carry out their part of the plan. Fang's objective was to bait whatever DG scouts lurked throughout the city. They'd peopled their way into the rally with Gen 77 kids and were probably on the lookout for more. So Fang and his crew were out in public, being as obviously Gen 77 as they could be. Fang and Maya held hands, ran about 20 feet across the plaza, and launched themselves into the air. They spread their wings wide as people gasped and started taking pictures. While Ratchet and Holden passed the hat down below, Fang and Maya did acrobatic maneuvers, loop-de-loops, somersaults, steep dives, and whatever else they could think of. By the time they landed, a crowd of at least 100 people had gathered, taking photos, clapping, talking excitedly. We'll be here all week, Fang said, passing the hat. He was amazed at how many people were tossing in euros. They might be able to quit stealing all the time. Merci, thank you, merci, said Fang, bowing. When he straightened up, a girl about his age stood there, smiling at him. 
That was quite a show, she said in English. Thanks, said Feng. I'd like to invite you and your friends to another kind of show, she said. The day after tomorrow, at the Place de la Concorde. Do you know it? I'm sure we can find it, said Feng. Excellent, said the girl. Here's a flyer. See you then. Okay, see you then, said Feng. After she walked off, he and the gang read the flyer. Yes, said Feng. We did it. Let the one light make your dark days disappear. Join us at the Place de la Concorde and experience the love and acceptance of the one light. Be part of the solution. We're going to save the planet. Rejoice. With love, your friends at the Doomsday Group. Chapter 59 Why are we here? I asked. Typically, we don't do very well in places like this. For some reason, we were meeting Feng and his gang at a fabulous restaurant and a super fabulous hotel. The George's Sink. It was decked out in a beautiful, opulent, unbird kid friendly gray and gold interior. We usually tear out places like this, which is why I had lobbied for the McBurger on a little side street. Feng nodded. I know, but this is everyone's first visit to Paris. Possibly their last. I wanted to show them something special. Plus, we found something that I think- Actually, we found something, I interrupted. Something major. But let's get settled first. I hated how I was acting, trying to one-up him. We didn't actually have anything real. We just overheard something we couldn't figure out. The major detail must have been used to rock stars and child actors and other reprobate types because he didn't bat an eye as he led us to a long banquet table in an isolated corner. The thirteen of us sat down, all on our best behavior. Total, of course, was thrilled to pieces to be back in Paris, one of the few places on earth so civilized that dogs are allowed in stores and restaurants. Oh my god, I can already smell the vichyssoise, he rejoiced, inhaling deeply. The what? Gazi asked peering at the menu. Um, this is all in French. I want a burger. Try the bouffe Maya recommended, and I remembered Angel telling me that Maya had lived mainly in Europe since she'd been liberated from her cage in New York. So, what have you got? Feng asked me while we waited for them to bring our drinks. Hmm? I asked, keenly aware that Maya was looking at me expectantly. Dylan raised an eyebrow, ready to come to my aid if necessary. Oh, it's nothing. I coughed. Just, we kept hearing all the stuff about D-Day. Like, the world ends day, we think. But people were pretty tight-lipped about it. So we don't know when this whole shebang is going down. Plus, we got a smidge caught up in sightseeing around Old Paris, Total said, oblivious to my sharp glance. Twelve patisseries, three parks, and four museums. He put his paws on the table and drank some water from a glass. Really? Said Feng. I paused trying to frame our activities in a positive light. We just went to as many places as possible, where people might meet, where kids might want to go. It may have been 13 patisseries, Dylan added unhelpfully. But we also hit up a lot of schools. We saw at least two DGers hanging out at schools, scoping out the students. Checking out the schools is my idea, since they seem most interested in kids, said Gazi, helping himself to more bread and butter. In France, plain old bread and butter were just about the best things on earth. The patisseries were Max's idea. Of course, Feng said, but I didn't react. Dude, quit playing with her, Ratchet said. Feng cocked an eyebrow at me, and I scowled. Maya took a flyer out of her pocket and unfolded it so we could read it. Yeah, we actually already knew about the D-Day thing, she said, but we got the inside info. Feng smirked, and I kind of wanted to punch him, 
Instead, I dragged to Akmachir while reading the flyer, calmly seething. The day after tomorrow, I said, shocked. That's soon. We were all solemn as we pondered the thought, until Gazi broke the silence with the, No duh. We'd better make plans. Thing began, but he didn't get very far. Boom. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your all of it, Marky, and we got another message from our bud Axolotl, who said, I have a prediction that Fang never actually was born in the lab, and that he just joined the flock. Thanks, Axolotl. That is a fun prediction, uh, so we will see together if that's actually true or not. I think that would be really interesting, especially considering the stuff with like his new flock and everything. But yeah, we'll see. Thank you very much. Uh, other than that, the only announcement type thing that I have is that this weekend, uh, me and some friends will be in Atlanta, Georgia at Momocon. If any of you are close there and or going. Friday, I'll be cosplaying Scout from Team Fortress 2. And Saturday, I'll be cosplaying Medic from Team Fortress 2. So... Um, if you're walking around Momocon and you see either one of those characters, uh, feel free to stop them and ask if they're me. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But yeah, if you're there, I'll be there too. And I hope we see each other. Alright, let's get into the recommendation for this week. The recommendation for this week is the YouTube channel Tiffany Ferg. So Tiffany does a commentary YouTube channel where she talks about different facets of the internet. My personal favorite series that she does is Internet Analysis, where she'll usually find some kind of topic, like something from TikTok or from YouTube, to make a video about and kind of discuss and break down why it is the way it is. Uh, One of my personal favorite ones that she's done that I've seen so far is her videos about van life and family YouTubers and TikTokers that promote the van life with their children and stuff. All in all, um, she's just a really good YouTube channel to kind of put on in the background when you're working on something and you kind of need something to listen to so you're not just sitting in a room in silence for eight hours. (laughs) Kind of joking, but her videos are pretty interesting and informative. Like she did one about uh, multi-level marketings and how they're always branded as like, oh, you're a girl boss, be be a boss of your company that is a girl, and that type of stuff. Um, and I really like how she broke that down. Um, yeah, that is the YouTube channel Tiffany Bird, and I will leave a link in the show notes to her channel. You should go and check her out. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at maximumcrimepod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at maximum-crime-pod. And if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, that's all I gotta say for this time. So, until next time, fly on.